You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. After winning back-to-back games, the Pacers looked to win three in a row for the first time since the start of the season when they went to Washington Monday night. Unfortunately for them, it was not the Pacers' best performance. Outside of a solid night from Malcolm Brown and DeMontis Sabonis, the rest of the team did not bring its A game. Karis LeVert shot 3 of 14, Justin Holiday 3 of 11. Off the bench, you had an okay scoring output, but nothing to, to write home about. And for the Wizards, despite not having Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook scored 35. Rui Hachimara scored 26, and off the bench, they had three-player double figures, led by Chandler Hutchinson's 8 points as the Pacers lost to the Washington Wizards 132 to 124. The Pacers are now 21 and 24, sitting firmly in the ninth spot in the Eastern Conference. Welcome in the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman, as all of this wonderful show. And on today's podcast, I'm going to talk about Goga's semi-emergence, uh, his improved play, his starting to earn some real minutes and look pretty decent out there for the Pacers. Um, including a nice game tonight in his you know, seven minutes tonight. I thought he's starting to look a lot better. I want to make the case for the Pacers to miss the playoffs, why a one-year maybe bad season might be better for the team in the long run. But I want to start with the Pacers lost Washington in a real opportunity blown here. It's just a close game, probably closer than it should have been, considering Bradley Beal did not play. But the Pacers had plenty of opportunities to win this game the same way they've had almost every other game since the All-Star break. Uh, with about four minutes left, five minutes left, 5.30 left, the Pacers led this game 116-110, and it felt like they were firmly in control. Uh, you know, obviously, they didn't win the game, but it felt like at this point, they bring back in. Uh, Brogdon had just re-entered. The team was playing. It was kind of got a little momentum going after being, I think it was ended up being, it was like a 110 all game that kind of went on a 6-8-0 run sort of at this point, and things felt pretty good. But for the last five minutes, the team basically looked, went cold as ice for a three-minute straight stretch. Um, and they also couldn't really stop, frankly, the, the the Wizards, who, particularly Russell Westbrook, who just went on a, a tear to kind of end this game and push the uh, Wizards over the top. They had some good performances tonight, I thought, from Brogdon and Sabonis. I mean, this is probably the best I've seen Sabonis play in the better part of the last month. He's not been terrible, but 35 points is a really good output. And usually when he gets his 30-plus point games, they're getting blown out. So, like, it's hard to be like, oh, Bo has been so good, but he's just scoring a lot of points because the team stinks. No, like, tonight his points were valuable, needed, and helped push the team. But they could not find that much scoring anywhere else, right? Karras has been so up and down. This was another down game. Um, we've yet to see consistent play out of Karras, and I will still give it a little bit of time. He's, what, in week two right now? So give it a little bit of a break. But at some point we got to start talking about Karras as being, you know, a pretty inefficient player, but give it some time. Broadding continues his hot streak. Um, and they just, you know, Justin Holiday has been, uh, I would say, one of the streakiest players for the Pacers this season. I mean, he's his highs are so good that it helps carry his lows, right? So Justin Holiday coming into the night is shooting 39.3% from three, which is would be um, slightly below his career high last year of 40%, but really good three-point shooting here, right? Nothing nothing to, you know, scoff at. But what you're getting is kind of this this variance from him, right? You're getting one of 10 games and a 5-11 game, or a two of 10 game, but then four of eight. And this is one of those, those variances where it was on the down end, right? He ended up being, um, what was he, 
three of six from three to nine, but three eleven from the field overall. Right, he's had a bunch of those games, right, where he's three of twelve from the field and seven of sixteen, and so on. So he he's very kind of up and down at times. And I don't I don't what to say with him, right? He's playing in a role he's not supposed to, right? He shouldn't really be a starter, but he has to fill in. Obviously, that without Warren, he's going to be his role the rest of the year. Um, he's basically kind of shoved into a spot where maybe he shouldn't be in in nothing no like um diss to him but he is a much better 20 25 point a game bench player frankly so it it makes sense to me that he that he's sort of struggling in his new starting role but he doesn't take bad shots not like he's you know taking a ton of contested threes or whatever he's getting good clean looks it seems like but really the the big issue tonight was was the defense right the pacers shot ultimately 40 percent from three on 30 attempts 48 from the field 124 points and any other night you say that's enough to win right they didn't have they had 14 turnovers they ended up winning the turnover battle um they didn't have like an egregious amount of fouls 18 total fouls to wizards 24 but the wizards shot 55 percent took six more attempts than the pacers they got out offensive rebound again and the Wizards shot 52 percent from three i mean it was just it's weird how the Wizards scored 132 points out bradley beal who's the nba leading scorer and that's to do with the team's defense they just didn't have it tonight. Didn't, didn't have an answer for Westbrook or Hachimara, who I thought would maybe get stopped um, or wouldn't, you know, he hasn't been like that great this year. So I thought, you know, he couldn't pop up for this, but he had a really, really nice night. Uh, Westbrook ended up with 21 assists. I mean, they had no answer for Russell Westbrook, which I thought is kind of insane considering how well they've done against guards this year. And maybe just one of those Westbrook nights where he just is, you know, insane. I mean, that's, that, that's what it, that's what it honestly could be. Like Westbrook, has his ability as, you know, a guy who's an all-NBA level type of player to occasionally just, like, go off and be, uh, you know, his MVP level self every once in a while, and that was tonight. I mean, he, they just had no answer for him, and he just torched them for, you know, a stat line worth reading again, 35 points, 21 assists, and 14 rebounds. Um, there's not much else I can say about this game, really. It was a bad loss. The team probably should have won this game. It will come back to bite them. They could be... You know, the end of the week, if they end up winning two or three more times, they will be barely, you know, 500 instead of above 500. And this will probably be the difference between being 500 by the end of the week, um, this game, because they play Miami, who's not, you know, I know Miami's kind of reeling. They, they win tonight. Miami did win tonight to finally break their six game losing streak. So they're no longer the the terribly reeling uh, heat. Um, and they play back to Patriots play back to back on Friday and Saturday. So if they, let's say, they're able to go. Uh, two and one the rest of the week they'll end up 23 and 25 which this is the game where they could have been 500 which would have put them in a much better spot this is the game they, ha- they should win they want to have good playoff seating and when you don't win these kind of games it screws up your playoff seating not much else to say about that frankly uh it's a bad loss but move on from it hopefully they can be- beat the heat on wednesday let's do this let's take a quick break and then i want to talk about goga and his sort of i don't know if you call it growth emergence but he's starting to look better to me and i'm getting excited about what he could be going forward but first, today's Locked On Pitch Podcast is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with other fans, athletes, insiders, and even me. Us and Locked On Pacers host a Locker Room once a week. Last week, Tony did our show about the trade deadline and the TJ Warren news. And if you download the app, you can join in the conversation tomorrow when Tony, when I talk about the Miami Heat game and break that down. You can hop on, ask whatever question you want. I'll even invite you up just to just to, to ask a question about the Heat page going on right now. And I might react to the hopefully a win against the Heat. Locker room is the perfect place for these conversations. You can also do things like watch the game on it, 
with other fans, debates, all kind of stuff, do post-game breakdowns like I'm going to do tomorrow, and react to the biggest news and rumors. And go down the, the app today. You can link it to your Twitter profile and be in groups for the latest league updates. I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms there because they have all kinds of your favorite teams and leagues. So join the Locker Room app today, and you can listen to me tomorrow on it, Wednesday, after the Heat game. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. So Goga is starting to maybe emerge is the right way, look better, play better. I've liked what I've seen from him in the last, let's say, let's call it five games. So it's not he only got about seven minutes minutes in the Wizards game, but part of that was they were making a, a run. They were a pretty tight game. They kind of wanted to, um, they just needed to kind of play the more offense-heavy lineups. But Goga is starting to look better, look, look like he's more of an NBA player, right? He hasn't had like an eye-popping crazy game yet. But he's put up some pretty consistent stats, right? So he's basically he's played in every game um, since the All-Star break. And in those stretch, averaging about five points on 43-23 shooting. But even more importantly, one and a half, about one and a half blocks per game. And three and a half rebounds per game in only about ten minutes. His shooting isn't like off the charts crazy. But his defense looks better, which is really good for a guy who I thought looked a little lost last year. Uh, and he's scoring in ways that like feel okay right cleaning up rebounds really well with good kind of feel hitting a couple of threes here or there obviously i think if he if he was given more than you know i think he's taken on average like like five shots a game he's given a little more than that he would probably have a better stat line because i think this is some of this is just like it's such a like we're talking in in nine games four and a half shots per game so that equals something like 40 total shots so it's just a small sample size right a total of about 10 threes over those games so there's not enough of a sample size to be like this is really indicative indicative of the kind of player he is over you know the course of a season and right i mean in his career he took uh an average of less than one three a game in 54 games last year so, so as a career he's taken about 103 pointers so i'm not sure we can judge a three-point percentage on anything he's taken so far because it could just be be the low end and situations are not you know a best for him to shoot you know in three-point chance but um i feel like he's playing better this year making a leap in terms of just his awareness on the court he looks less lost he's making smart you know, cleanup plays, whether it was the Sumner rebound tonight, um, kind of the putback on that, or a couple blocks here or there that are just like a little bit more like reading the defense correctly. Um, he does have some athleticism that um, really, I think, neither Turner or Sabonis has, right? Turner is a fantastic defender and has worked his ass off to get the level he's at, and Goga is nowhere near that right now. But Goga's got some more length, it feels like, than Turner at times. Like, can get up higher um, because he's got a little bigger body, right? Goga is... I guess Goga's 6'11", but I think he's a little bit longer wingspan. He just feels like he can. He has a little more of like a from, you know, when he jumps from basically the edge of his fingertips to his toes, feels a little taller than than Turner's. But Goga has to work hard to get even close to Turner's defense. And um, I feel like he's got the defense of what Turner, and he might, or has the potential to have the defense of Turner. And his offense, because he's got really good touch and feel, has a Sabonis potential um scoring wise right i mean i think that's why they took him right ultimately they, ultimately the pacers feel like if they could combine both turner they'd have the best player and that would be the best you know for them and they took the best available player they thought in the draft at that time and goga has a little bit of both those guys in him he's still years away i mean he's 21 years old right now this this season you know and that's like he's basically played in a total of 79 games which is basically one full season last year he did not get to play a ton part of that was covid part of that was being the third center on a team that had two good centers that didn't necessarily need to play him a ton and they could stagger that right to not need to play him um, but they're finding minutes for him this year and he's getting a little bit um it feels like a little bit more under his feet looks a little stronger a little more you know um kind of nba body type but 
we probably won't know what he's like and if he's really worth resigning to like his fourth season. And truly, honestly, the way the Pacers are with centers, I'm not sure he'll ever blossom here in Indiana. But I, I'm starting to see encouraging sense from him. I, the problem is he just like even if even at his best, I don't know how he really gets any significant minutes. Even knowing you saw tonight, where I thought he played okay tonight, I don't think he was like amazing when he was on the court. Um, the team. He was only outscored by four points in his seven minutes, so like he wasn't, you know, wasn't this like terrible defense, but he couldn't get minutes in the second half because it was a close game and they have two centers and they could figure out how to not play him because of because of staggering, right? And so I don't know how Google ultimately earns minutes. I don't know if the Pacers decide at some point they need to they need to play him more by moving one of those guys. I mean, it, it feels similar to me like the Nikolai Jokic situation, where I believe at the time the Nuggets had your uh Nurkic and they thought they need to move on from Nurkic because Jokic is so good they gotta give him the opportunity to play. Uh, also similar was the Gobert replacing Enos Kanter thing in Utah. I believe that's where it was. Um, I think that's right. So we're not seeing that Goga yet where they got to like move guys to get go more minutes. But I, I do think he's made an improvement this year. The problem is I'm just not sure where I get. Like if he was a guard right now, he'd be playing 20 minutes for this team. I mean, he'd be in Sumner's spot if he was a guard. But the center and they have enough centers and who are, you know, they have an all NBA, uh, an all-star offensive center bonus and an all-NBA defensive center in Turner. So like it's hard to even come close to finding minutes because there's no way, and you can't play, you can't play more than two centers at a time. So it really is hard to find, find him minutes at this moment. But I have liked how he played. I think he's playing better, in just my personal opinion. All right, now what you guys have been waiting for. I'll take one more break, and I'll make the case for missing the playoffs this year for the Pacers because I think them having a higher draft pick might not be the worst thing in the world. But first, today's Locked On Pacers podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football has been over for a while now, but the NBA, NHL, and especially college basketball are in full swing with the NCAA tournament. And Bet Online can cover you for that or even awards. TV shows and reality TV. They have real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. I said this last time, but I'm rolling on a 20 to 1 bet on Houston. I believe it's 20 to 1. I got to check that. Maybe it's 21 to 1. Houston to win the, win the NCAA tournament. They're in the lead eight. I might start hedging, but that's that's kind of bad to make. Make a big long-term prop bet and see if I can pay it off or hedge it to make enough to make some money on it. And BetOnline is the best, the great place to do that. And they even have covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile phone today. There's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That means if you put $100 down, they give you $50 in free betting cash. With the promo code locked on L O C K E D O N. BetOnline.ag. Your online sports book experts and we are also brought to you by built bar the best tasting protein bar on the market we've been talking about for a long time now built bar is amazing low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber an amazing tasting protein bar 100 percent covered in chocolate and they are down to their built bar final four you'll go check that out on their twitter at built at bar underscore built but you can see their final four of protein bars. My favorite one, no matter what ends up being, is still the peanut butter brownie one. I'm a classic kind of guy, but that's just me. And to go to their website right now, in promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, you get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who's going to win their matchup of Built Bars. We have a final four now. We'll see who's going to be the champion in the best tasting protein bar from Built Bar. So if the Pacers... Ended today as the nine seed and didn't win their playing game, so ended up um, as the nine seed non-playoff team. They would have a roughly ten percent chance, I believe, about rough, uh, close to ten percent chance of getting a top four pick. Two percent of the first overall pick, two point two of the second, two point four of the third, and two point eight of the fourth. 
Remember, they improved the NBA lottery odds two years ago now to make it less desirable to tank, meaning that like a team in the kind of five to fourteen range could actually jump up. We've seen we've seen it with uh, the Lakers went from I believe eleven to four. Uh, and so if the Pacers ended up as the 10 where the Bulls are right now, they would have a closer to 20% chance of getting a top four pick. And then it's about marginal improvement. If they get to like the 11th worst team, maybe, maybe looking at more like a uh, 30% chance. It's not marginal, but I, I there's, they're too far away from Toronto to really have a shot at that spot. But they could legitimately probably be the 10 team um, in the East right now, right? If they lost to the Bulls, uh, frankly, in the playing game, they'd be the 10 team right there. Four games ahead of Raptors. I don't see that being made up maybe washington goes on a run here to be in the pacers but i doubt it but my point would be is the pacers this year is not their year i mean i, I don't know how to put it they traded away victor Oladipo for karis Levert, which is a long-term play not of this year but karis is still not really acclimated he's figuring out still it's, it's a rough patch and it's okay it's what's supposed to be they have no tj warren who is arguably their best offensive threat at times um in a in a really important player on this team and he's probably their second best player probably goes brogdon him and Sabonis as in terms of importance just because Brogdon is obviously the like point guard of the team and the distributor and all that but Warren is the most important just like bailout offensive player they could have and they're not getting him back so there's a case that you know you don't you don't, you don't have him cares to figure it out maybe you're better off just kind of missing the playoffs this year playing your auto lots worst case you're picking 10 or 11 and have a shot to get a good player but maybe you get lucky you get a top four pick and have a chance to get a franchise altering player because the thing about the Pacers is they're never going to have the opportunity to sign a free agent of a high caliber. I mean, it's just their small markets the way it works. But also, I'm not sure full out tanking is a smart move because if they're bad for two or three years, it's going to hurt their attendance, it's going to hurt the team's you know relevance. It's just not like good for the team to be bad for multiple years. But in a year where they already have limited attendance, where they're already not that good just because of injuries, it maybe isn't the worst thing to just kind of have a mini reset. Similar, I mean... They didn't go full reset like, you know, San Antonio, the Tim Duncan year. But maybe it's a year where they just kind of figure out at this point they play young guys a little more. They probably should have traded McDermott or McConnell. They weren't going to resign them, but maybe they do, so it doesn't matter. But maybe they look at it and say, it's just not our year. They go a little younger. And I don't know if they're ever going to say it's not our year because they're, they're going to try. But maybe as a fan, you kind of think it's not the worst case scenario, let's put it this way, if the team ends up losing in the first play-in game as a 9-10 match because they're going to be in that because they're too far ahead of Toronto not to be in that match. But maybe they lose that first game. They get a 20% chance at a first, you know, top four pick. And maybe they get lucky and they can find a guy who can help them help them sort of rebuild, right? Because like, here's, here's what I look at. The Pacers last time when they were great was because they had Paul George. And not because they had Paul George at his peak, right? Paul George was at his peak probably the last two or three seasons. But they had an emerging Paul George surrounded by a really talented roster. So, right, they had a 20, I think it would be 22 or 23-year-old Paul George surrounded by Roy Hibbert, who was, I don't know, when he, at his best, the top 20 player and a very decent playoff player when it came down to it. Not the best resident player, but a good posting player. Then they had really good veterans in West and Hill. Then they built a really good deep roster, adding a Lance to that, adding Luis Scola, adding uh, DJ August, and they just, they just put together a good roster. Right, so if they were able to get a Paul George caliber player, which is not which is not easy, right? I mean, they took George ninth, I think overall, and they almost would have taken Hayward if he was. I think they took George under tenth, and they would have taken Hayward if, if he was available, but he went to pick before. But they have a chance to get a guy, and maybe not of that caliber, but of a high caliber who they can draft, keep being relevant, right? Because they were relevant all all of Paul George's first second years when they made the playoffs. They were an eight seed. And the next year they made the playoffs at the three, so they can still be relevant. But then push towards a you know a third year where that guy maybe is emerging surrounded by all those talented players and hit a whole different kind of ceiling, right? 
if the team right now, as constructed, doesn't get any better, right? So they, the, the young guys, you know, are marginally better. Right? Goga's a little better. Edmund Simmons a little better here, but like nothing that's like crazy jumps. The next two or three years are probably, you know, a team that's good, top five seed, right? You know, maybe not quite there, maybe a six seed. I mean, it depends what happens, right? The top three, the next three years are probably going to be Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee. And then it's where does Boston and Miami fall? And then where do they fall? Toronto clearly is kind of needs to go in some kind of reset, but they could easily jump back up. So, you know, they're a team competing probably four through six, four through seven in the next three years, which is not nothing to, to scoff at, but they're probably not getting past a first round or a second round series outside of some injury luck. But if they end up with a decent pick this year and a year that's already going to, you know, at best this year is a get to the sixth seed and get beat by um, one of those, you know, walking the first round in five, that's like the probably the best case scenario at this point because they're starting to get farther and farther away from, you know, the four or five game. And especially they can't beat the Wizards, it's going to be really, really hard to get into that four or five game because they, they just can't win consistently enough to do that. You know, they are now, they're about two games out of the Knicks at the five, but they just, Pacers are so up and down, they're going to lose too many games they should win to really have a shot at that. So what's the worst if they, you know, end up getting the lottery? Worst case, it's the 10th overall pick, which is still a good pick, um, where they've gotten good players at that spot before. They get lucky and scoot up and able to go get a guy that's not, you know, that can change their franchise going forward. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't actively root for them to lose because that's. I just don't think you do that as a Pacer fan. But I think the back of your mind, it's kind of like, well, if it happened, is it the worst thing to happen? And no, it's not. It's a, it's a decent thing to happen to this team because they could. They just. They just that. They're kind of that like one superstar short, and they're not going to probably find him in the draft. I mean, it's even if they got a top of it, it's purely luck in some ways about who they draft and does it work out. But maybe they get lucky. You know, maybe they're able to find a guy who in three years can be a French altering player, and that's how you get yourself back into relevance. How you get yourself back towards a title chance, right? I mean, I, I, that's what they've done every era, right? They took Reggie Miller was their was their kind of first meal ticket when they drafted him 13th overall, but he became a superstar. Jermaine O'Neal was the guy they traded for and in some ways kind of got lucky with him because probably didn't know what they had, and he became a superstar, and then they drafted Paul George. I mean, that's it, that's ultimately what it takes as a small market franchise to be a championship-caliber team is to finally get that one franchise-altering player and then build a really good roster around him. The Pacers know how to do this. They just need that one guy. They know how to build a roster around a really good player, you know, they kind of screwed up towards the end of Paul George, but they had four good years of George, and the league changed on them, and it screwed him up, and George snapped his leg, and a whole bunch of things went went unlucky for them, but they learned from history and do better next time. So that's just my case. As always, you can follow this podcast at Locked on Pacers. Me up for Madam 5. My co-host Tony is at MBA. The show should be posting on a Tuesday. So that means Tony will have a preview of Wednesday game against the Heat for tomorrow. I will be on Locker Room after the game. Also on Wednesday, talking this Pacer game, maybe doing a, a mix of a locker room and and a podcast in one. That'll be for, so Wednesday night, there'll be a locker room Thursday show. Friday, Tony will preview the weekend's games, and then we'll be back with you guys again for a weekly show next Monday. That is all for today's Locked on Pit Podcast. We'll see you guys again tomorrow.